Welcome to the Faith Lakeside Podcast. Each week you'll hear another great message that will help you know God and make Him known in your life. Join us each Sunday at 1045 a.m. and throughout the week in small groups to make the most of your learning experiences. Now, sit back, relax with a great cup of coffee and a notebook and enjoy this week's message. We are here today as every Sunday, every time we gather together to know God and make him known. That is our mission. And what we are doing over these next few weeks is really to, uh, working to hard to answer the question, what is a Christian and how are we to be Christians? What does it take to be a Christian? There's lots of different ideas about what Christianity looks like. And we want to go back to God's word and understand what his word tells us about being a Christian. And the things that we'll see in a Christian's life. And of course, the first thing we have to do is answer the question, what is a Christian? That big question mark from last week. What is a Christian? And if you remember, we went through and looked at scripture and understood that a Christian is a disciple. That there, there's no distinction in scripture between a Christian and a disciple. A lot of times in modern American Christianity, we think that you can be a Christian and then someday when you're ready to get serious about your faith, you'll choose a path of discipleship. God's word does not allow us that differentiation, that distinction. Every Christian is a disciple. And what does it take to be a disciple of Jesus? In Jesus' own words, it is to submit your whole life to him as your Lord and Savior. Luke 9.23, Jesus himself says this, saying to everyone who would listen, if anyone wants to follow after me, and this is what it is to be a disciple, to follow Jesus. This is what it is to be a Christian, to follow Jesus. Let him first deny himself Take up his cross daily and follow me. That following Jesus is a choice of giving up yourself, giving up your own way of doing things, your own way of pursuing life, and instead following after his leadership, his teaching, his ways. Now, a lot of us maybe struggle. We look at this and go, yeah, this, this seems like a big ask. I liked the Jesus who just said, believe about me and I'll take you to heaven. He was much nicer because the, the, that's, that's, that's much a happier thing, right? Believe about me, think good things about me, and I'll take you to heaven when you die. And that tends to be where we go in American Christianity sometimes. But Jesus himself says, if you want to be my disciple, you must give up yourself, die to your old way of life, and then follow me with all that you are. To be a Christian is to be a disciple. To be a disciple is to give your whole life up to Jesus as your Lord, your master, your teacher, and your salvation. Now you might ask, why would we have to do this? Why? Because when we honestly look at ourselves and, and we look at ourselves in light of scripture, in the mirror of scripture, a lot of us have this inflated view of ourselves. I mean, like, why wouldn't Jesus want me? I mean, look at me. I'm good looking. I'm successful. Uh, you know, the, everybody likes me. Uh, I drive a spiffy car. You know, why wouldn't Jesus want me to follow after him? I'm going to like raise his esteem. Everybody's going to think better of Jesus. 
Jesus if I follow him. That tends to be how we present the gospel in the American church. But the truth is that we contribute nothing to our salvation except for the sin that makes it necessary. Jonathan Edwards, a great preacher in, in early American history, is quoted as saying this, and he was actually likely quoting an earlier think, thinker from uh, Lutheran life, Melanchthon, and, and we are told we contribute nothing to our salvation except the sin that makes it necessary, which kind of makes us understand why does Jesus tell us to abandon everything in order to follow him? Because the only thing that we're carrying with us, the only thing that we have to offer is our sin. And, and if we want to bring that into our relationship with Jesus, we want to say, hey, Jesus, look at this sin. Isn't it great? Why, why would he want that of us, right? He came and he gave his life to save us from the very things that we count up as little treasures in our backpack that we carry around. And Jesus says, take it all off. Get rid of it all and come to me. And so a disciple is someone who is coming into the, the presence of Jesus and saying, you are my savior, you are, you are my master, you are the one who has control of my life and I want to be like you and I want to follow after you. And, and Jesus says this about being his disciple. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. He says that, that we must learn, we must be trained to be disciples. We must grow and, and, and hear the lessons that he has for us in order to, to become the disciples we long to be. And really at the heart of being a Christian is being a disciple. And at the heart of being a disciple is being a learner, being a pupil. We all should want to know more. We should all want to learn and grow in our faith. And this brings us to, to this week's uh, topic of, of learning and growing, is that uh, every Christian should be a learner. So here's, here's the little symbol. I, I, uh, I'm the one who found these on the internet. I, I won't say that I made them, but you know, I found them on the internet. I like this one. It's like the gears are turning, right? You're learning. Your mind is processing. You are you are are becoming more because you are learning. And every Christian should be a learner. Every Christian should be following after Jesus in such a way that we develop in character and in knowledge and in how we live out our faith. But if you are just sitting and, and you are just sit like, like a rock, just kind of, uh, and you never hear the words of Jesus and you never learn and grow and follow after him, you are missing out on being the Christian you were saved to be, living that life that you were saved to live. And we know that learning is important. We understand that it's actually part of what it is to be human. Aristotle in his metaphysics is quoted as saying this, all men by nature desire to know. All of us want to know. We want to understand. And you might think, well, not me. Let me, let me just ask you a quick question. How many of you have watched a how-to video on YouTube about something you will never actually do? The guys, almost all of us, are like, yeah, of course. Ladies, you too, right? That, that silly little show, Shelly does not like it, but I love it. How it's made. Have you ever watched that? You know, 
the, the little theme song and stuff and, and you, it watches equipment and now I know how a little tiny spring that goes in a lawnmower is made, you know, and it's life changing, isn't it? No, it's meaningless. But I'll sit and watch that show episode after episode after episode. And it's just like, this is fascinating. We all want to know. We want to be able to have a, a handle on the world around us. We want to know. And the, the thing is, is we're looking too often in the wrong places to satisfy this desire for knowing. We chase after special knowledge. We chase after secret knowledge. We chase after YouTube knowledge. Instead of chasing after Jesus, the only one who has truth and genuine wisdom for us. Uh, Ecclesiastes tells us that this is not something that's just a secular pursuit, but this is something that, that can be a spiritual pursuit as well. The, the, the king, uh, great wise King Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes under the, the, the pseudonym of the teacher or, or the master. And he says this, I applied my mind to examine and explore through wisdom all that is done under heaven. Ecclesiastes 1.13. And, and so Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived apart from Christ Jesus, and that's a, what scripture tells us about him. He wanted to understand, and he said, I'm wise, and I know everything, or I understand many things according to the gift of God, and yet I still need to learn. I still want to understand what this life is about. I still want to seek out things. A little later in this first chapter, he says this, I applied my mind to know wisdom and knowledge, madness and folly. I learned that this too is a pursuit of the wind. For with much wisdom is much sorrow, as knowledge increases, grief increases. That when we are looking for wisdom and knowledge according to our own desires, according to worldly pursuits, we can chase it all to the end of the earth. He says it's like chasing after the wind, a pursuit of the wind. Anybody ever caught the wind? You, you can run all day long and you will never catch the wind. And why is that? Because it, it's ethereal. It's, it slips through the fingers. It is something that you cannot grasp. And he is saying wisdom, or Solomon is saying to us with the greatest wisdom other than the, with Christ himself is saying, when you pursue knowledge and wisdom according to your own devices, you will find it to be meaningless. When you think you know it all, you will find, in fact, that you know very little that's of value. In fact, as knowledge increases, grief increases. And, and we can all know that, know that. Those of us who grew up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, before the internet, life was great, wasn't it? Uh, now that the, everybody knows everything, oh my goodness, it's chaos. It's grief that has increased. Now that everyone is an expert in every field because they can Google it, we see grief increase. And I know some of you are in some fields where it's like, yes, everyone is a doctor now, right? Uh, because there's WebMD. You know, everyone knows everything about car repair because they watched a YouTube video, right? Everybody's an expert. And, and we struggle with this. It, it, it has created not peace and harmony and full life, but instead it has created greater distress and separation and struggle in our lives. And yet we still long to know. 
And so we look to the words of Jesus. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. And, and we're going to see what Jesus has to say about learning and, and about one of the lessons that Jesus taught his disciples a little later that really brings us to an understanding of what it means to learn from him. So Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 29. Just previous to this and the, the, the earlier verses, Jesus has been talking to others and, and, and really telling them that, listen, you, you guys are going to stand in judgment because you are not listening to my teaching. He says that Sodom and Gomorrah are going to have a better day on the day of judgment than the people who are hearing his teaching in that moment and rejecting it. And then he says this in verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. And most of you are going to recognize these next few verses. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And so Jesus is beginning to tell us about the important nature of what he has to offer as our teacher. What, what we are responsible for as learners. And so as we go through this, uh, just kind of couple verses at a time, we see it unfold. At, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. He is speaking, when he talks about these things, he's talking about the mysteries of eternal life and the kingdom of God. That what real life is has been hidden from us. The people who think themselves to be wise, who think themselves to be learned, who think that they know it all, are really only accumulating for themselves wind and nothingness. But Jesus says, you've revealed these truths through me to even the, the most infant of thinkers to people who are not great, to people who are innocent and small and seemingly insignificant. It was God's good pleasure to reveal to us who are nothing the riches of his wisdom and knowledge through Christ Jesus. And Jesus says this, all things have been entrusted to me by my Father. Now, this is a, an interesting statement to say that all things have been entrusted to him. When he says all, he's not meaning all the things about this or all the things about that or some little subset of all. He really means all things have been given over to him by God the Father. In other words, he is the master of all knowledge. He is the master of all understanding. He is the, the king of learning if you are like Aristotle and like Solomon and you want to understand and you want to know and you come to Christ with your list of things you already think you understand, you will miss out on the real genuine knowledge. 
Because Jesus says to come to him and learn from him as though you were an infant, as though you were a child, not a smart aleck who's watched lots of YouTube or done online classes, but instead as someone who has nothing to offer other than your submission to him as king and ruler and teacher. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. How do we get to know God? Only through Christ Jesus. How do we get to understand creation? Only through becoming a learner at the feet of Jesus Christ and following after him wholeheartedly. How do we become wise? Not by pursuing wisdom and knowledge in our own means, but by submitting ourselves fully to Jesus. Giving up all that we thought we were bringing to the table, which turns out to be nothing at all, and falling at his feet and learning from him. And really coming to a place of understanding this life that we've been blessed with. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus goes on to say, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What a beautiful, beautiful promise this is from Jesus. He says, if you will come to me, if you will submit to me, if you will give your life over to me, I will give you rest. Now, what is the weariness that we have? What is the burden that we carry? Uh, we, we read into this and we, we try and understand what Jesus is talking about. And there are so many things that, that he could mean by this in the sense of, of weariness and burden. How many of us are trying to, to do life on our own strength and in our own way and find ourselves failing on a regular basis? Are you worn out from that yet? Are you tired of trying over and over again to do what you think is right instead of submitting to the lordship and the teaching of Jesus and find yourself failing? I would hope you're, you're kind of worn out from that because he says, if you are, come to him and he'll give you rest. What are the burdens that we carry? How many of us are carrying around shame and guilt? How many of us are carrying around the very burden of our own sin? And we're saying to ourselves, no, I got to figure this out. I got to make this happen. I got I to gotta make amends for this. I got I to gotta, you know, make things right. And we're carrying around these burdens. And we're saying to ourselves, I got to figure this out. And Jesus says, stop it. Are you weary? Are you burdened by, by the weight of, of your past and the things that have gone on in your life? By your own wisdom? Are you burdened by that? Come to me. Give those things up. And I will give you rest. But, but he says, moving forward, I'm going to ask something of you as my disciple. I want you to give up the burdens that you had. I want you to give up the weariness that, that so drug your soul down. And instead, I want you to take up what I have to offer. I want you, like he talked about in that Luke verse, to deny yourself, to take up your cross daily, to follow me, to die to your old way of living and doing and the old burdens and the things that have made you weary and instead start listening to what I have to teach you and offer you. And he says this, take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Now, I think when we hear this, this word, take my yoke, or this, uh, this teaching from Jesus, take my yoke upon you, we maybe get some pictures in our mind. And, and uh, this has been an interesting passage in the course of my Christian growth and development because I think I've misused it, mis, misapplied this picture. Jesus is not saying, all right, I got this yoke, like two oxen yoked together and, and we're going to do the work together. But what Jesus is saying to us is this picture of a yoke was actually in his day and age, in first century rabbinical culture, that a a rabbi, a teacher, the master would have a school of teaching, an interpretation of the rules and the standards that he would live by. And you, as his student, were to take up his yoke, his teachings... And they become your standard. They become your life. They become what you do in order to apply what he's teaching. And and it's a picture not of two people yoked together, but one person with a yoke across their shoulders carrying the standards and the teachings of their rabbi and moving forward in obedience to him. It is not some sort of abject freedom or, hey, God's going to do all the work so I can just maybe like pick up my legs and just, just let him carry me with the yoke. But it is abandon your way of doing things and take up my teachings as your new way of life. Follow after me by being like me and listening to me and living like me and doing it like I do it. Take up this yoke upon yourself. And so he says, take my yoke upon you and do what from me? Learn from me. Learn from me. How many of us would say that we, we are genuinely learning from Jesus? I hope many of us But I think some of us are probably in a place where we are so comfortable with Jesus that we still look at him on the cross and say, everything's good, everything's taken care of, that's all I need. I've got a a crucified and risen Savior, and all right, I'll see you guys in heaven. But Jesus says the genuine disciple, the one who is no longer weary and burdened, but instead has followed after me, is going to learn from me. They're going to look at my life and read my teachings and read the teachings of those that I taught and they're going to mature and begin to do life the way that I did life, to live the way that I lived, to glorify God the way that I glorified God, that we will genuinely become different people over time because we will look more like him as we learn from him. And he says this, do this because I am lowly and humble in heart. We don't oftentimes talk about humility. We don't talk oftentimes about the the humility of Jesus, but Jesus humbled himself, gave up all the rights and privileges of heaven, according to Philippians chapter 2, and humbled himself to come down in the flesh, and not just in a body, but in, in the flesh and as a servant to all of us so that we might be saved. Died a horrific, gruesome death upon the cross to purchase our salvation. That is how lowly and how humble our teacher is. And he says, come and learn that kind of life from me. 
That life of sacrifice, that life of giving, that life of seeking the redemption of others. Come and follow after me in humility. St. Augustine of Hippo, and if you're wondering, it's St. Augustine, Florida, but it's St. Augustine, the old guy from way back in the uh, 300s and 400s, right? He says this in his letters, I wish you to submit with complete devotion. In speaking to someone who was a, a new believer, trying to understand how to be a Christian, how to follow after Jesus, I wish you to submit with complete devotion and construct no other way for yourself of grasping and holding the truth than the way constructed by him. We instead, we want to we wanna build our own little systems and we want to, to hold on to our way of seeing the world and doing life and, and reason through why it's okay. But Jesus says, get rid of what you used to be burdened by, your own way of doing things, and take up my yoke. Augustine says to us, be fully devoted and stop trying to formulate your own system, your own new way of being a Christian and go back to what Jesus says. The man who knows it all, not just your dad, but Jesus, Jesus is ready to teach you. Will you submit to him? Submit to him. So by him who as God saw how faltering were our steps. This way is first, humility. Second, humility. Third, humility. And however often you should ask me, I would say the same. That we are to come to Jesus in humble adoration and say, I bring nothing to the table. Teach me. I want to be like you. I want to be humble like you. I want to be lowly like you. I want to, to change the world in your name and glorify you. Jesus, I come to you with nothing, and I come to you in humility. And then Jesus says this, why should we take his yoke upon us? Why should we follow his teachings? He says this, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, some of us, we've, we've looked at this and said, well, that, that means, right, God's beside me and he's carrying the burden with me. No, this is really Jesus saying, my teachings are such that they will not burden you in the way that your old way of wisdom used to. You will find freedom. You will find a lightness of life. Will, will there still be work to do? Absolutely. There will still be things you must learn and grow in and become. You must learn from him how to carry this load of being a Christian. But compared to your old way of doing things, it is easy and light. It is not a burden that will weigh you down and drag you into hell. It is instead a, a burden that gives you great joy and helps you to understand the beauty of this life and what it is to glorify God. Now, over in John, Jesus teaches a really hard lesson. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to flip over to them, uh, to, to uh, John chapter 6 and them, or scroll in the, the Bible app over there. You see that Jesus wants us to learn from him. To follow after him means to put down our old way of doing things, to take up his teachings, and then to apply them to our life and live in faithfulness to him as a Christian. 
Understanding, yes, that he lived and died and rose again to save from sin everyone who would believe on him as Lord and Savior. But that relationship is not one of just sitting back and saying, I take, but it is one of saying, in taking salvation from you, I give you everything and I follow after you and I take up your teachings as my own and I seek to be like you. And so we're going to see here in a moment, Jesus teaching and some response of early disciples. Now, Jesus, earlier in John chapter 6, has just fed 5,000 people. And then he uh, sends the disciples off across the Sea of Galilee in a boat, which is how most people have to get across the water, right? Except in the middle of the night, all of a sudden, what happens? Jesus, who had stayed behind, is seen walking across the water by his disciples. And of course, this is not a normal thing. I mean, anybody else seen this happen? Yeah, me either. Just not normal. Uh, you know, they just, I've walked through a puddle. It, maybe it makes it look like I'm walking on top of the water because it's only this deep. But a boat is necessary. Jesus crosses the sea with his disciples. And the very next day, they end up with some folks who had just been fed the day before asking for more. They're kind of like, hey, you can be our king, Jesus. We want to we put you in charge because that bread was good. You did a great job providing for us. And there was even some fish and stuff. And Jesus, we want to make you king. And Jesus begins to have a discussion with them about the nature of bread, about the nature of eternal life and receiving him as king. And so in John 6, 53 through 56, Jesus says this. So Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life in yourself. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, because my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in him, and I am in him. So, you, you maybe read that and you go, oh, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> are, we, like, are we literally supposed to be, should there be like some canned Jesus that we open up as Christians and you know, that's one of the things we're supposed to share in? No, Jesus is teaching metaphorically. He's teaching about what, what has happened in the past, how God has provided life through the, the manna that came from heaven, the bread that came from heaven. God provided life for the people of Israel who were escaping the captivity of Egypt. But Jesus is equating himself with that bread of life. And he is saying to the people of the day, the people who said, we want to follow you. We want to learn from you. And he begins to teach this lesson. And he says to them that you must eat my flesh and drink my blood and you will remain in me and I will remain in you. And they all went, huh? Now he was not talking about cannibalism. They understood what he meant. They understood that as he's calling himself the bread from heaven, that they must take everything he has to offer and claim it as their own. That they must turn to him and him alone for life. That when he talks of eating his flesh and drinking his blood, he's not talking about cannibalism. And he's not even really referencing the Lord's Supper, though we can draw a line to it kind of loosely. 
But instead he's talking about much like he talked about in other places. You want to be my disciple? You want to learn from me? You have to turn to me for all that you need. You need to find your true bread and your true drink in me. When you are looking for satisfaction, when you're looking for answers, when you're looking for what will sustain you, the only place as my disciple that you can turn is to me. That's what Jesus is, is trying to teach the Jews that he's, he's seeking to, to, to uh, have accept him for what he's really there for, not as the king who brings bread, but as the Messiah who saves them from sin. And he's speaking to all of us today. If you really want to follow after him, he has to become your true bread and your true drink. And you must consume him and drink him all the time, every day. And make him such a critical part of your life that he's more important than breakfast. Some of you are already thinking about lunch. I may be thinking about lunch now that I mentioned it. Is Jesus more critical to you than your next meal? Is your relationship with him more important than thinking about the next time you're going to get together with family and have a beautiful big roast? What is, is most important? Where are you sustaining yourself? Where are you turning to find the things that keep you motivated and alive? Where, whose teaching are you listening to to shape your life? We, we do understand as we eat food, right? We've got that old uh, garbage in, garbage out. You are what you eat, right? We understand that as modern people. We get it. We know what food does, and Jesus knew too. What you consume spiritually is what you become. And Jesus says, consume me. <laughs> Sorry, just eat me. But that's not, that's, that's... That's a terrible bumper sticker, but I mean, it's, it's like it would be on Jesus' donkey, you know, eat me. And, and that's, that's what he wants from us is to be so hungry for being like him and following after him and loving him and worshiping him that we consume his teaching and follow after him wholeheartedly. Now, a, a little bit later in chapter 6 there, verse 60, he, therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? They understood what Jesus meant. They didn't think that all of a sudden they needed to break out the knives, slice them up, have a, have a feast right there. They understood that he was speaking to them symbolically about the need to give up chasing after anything or anyone else and consume him the rest of their lives. They understood and they said, whoa, now, who can do that? Who can give up? And that look, and, and this is where we see examples in Scripture where Jesus calls someone to follow after him, and they say things like, well, wait, let me go bury my dad, and then I'll come follow you. Wait, let me go take care of some business I have, and then I'll come follow you. It's hard to come follow Jesus because he asks for everything. And we are supposed to be so hungry and thirsty that we will consume him and learn from him and grow. And we see a little bit later that, that some of these disciples have, have a reaction because they don't understand that the yoke of Jesus is light and easy. 
But his teachings will offend our personal preferences and challenge our obedience on a daily basis. I, I got to tell you, um, Jesus loves you, but he doesn't care how his teachings make you feel. I'm, I'm uncomfortable, Jesus. If Jesus were here, he'd slap us all in a loving way, I'm sure. Suck it up. Follow after me. Die to yourself. Consume me. Eat my flesh and drink my blood because I have everything to give to you. I love you, but I don't care how it makes you feel in the moment. I'm more concerned about who you are and who you are becoming than I am about how you feel right now. And Jesus' teachings are uncomfortable, especially in our modern era, aren't they? He has a high call to holiness, to honoring marriage. He has a high call to pursuing the good things of God and serving others. And that is not what our culture teaches us. Our culture teaches us, get what you can while you can. Be yourself, because there's no better gift you can give than to be yourself. No, sometimes the self that we are is so tainted by sin that it stinks. And we need to get rid of it and be more like Jesus. And he's going to challenge us. And that's what's going on in these disciples' lives, these people who were following after Jesus. And verse 66 of chapter 6, some of you are, yeah, John 6, 6, 6 says, from that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. They heard the hard teaching of Jesus and their response was, hey, we liked the bread. That was cool. We'll be back when you do that again. Other than that, we're out. Modern Christians, you know what we do? Hey, I like the cross. I like what you did there. But don't ask anything more from me. I'm out if you do. I, I like what you did in the empty tomb. That was sweet. I look forward to you doing that for me. But anything else, I'm out. I, you know, it's kind of a joke. It's John 6, 6, 6. But this, this is actually, there were no verses when this was originally penned. It's kind of fortuitous, though, that it ends up being John 666. This is the heart of Antichrist. Those who reject Jesus and turn away and pursue their own sense of godliness in life. So some of these disciples, they leave Jesus. But what happens next should be what happens in all of our lives if we seek to be true believers genuine Christians. Jesus says to the 12, his most intimate disciples, you don't want to go away too, do you? All right, guys, this is a hard teaching. I know it is. I'm asking you to give up everything else and consume only me. Drink only me. Identify so deeply with me that I am like your food and drink. If you need to go, I understand. Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus calls us all to be learners, to consume him, to eat his flesh, to drink his blood. And the thing is, is if we think there's a better offer somewhere else, 
and we're pursuing that, we are missing out what it means to be a genuine Christian, to live the Christian life, how to be a Christian. Instead, we should be joining in with Peter. And when Jesus presents us with a challenging teaching, we don't go, oh, no, I'm out. But instead, we go, where else am I going to go? I've tried everything else, and all it did was wear me down and, and burden me. Why would I go anywhere else? You have everything I need, Jesus. But we don't treat Jesus like that far too often. Far too often we treat him like looking forward to heaven, but the rest that you have to offer, not so interested. Instead, we should be like this, eating his flesh, drinking his blood, coming to him and him alone because he is the only one who has answers. As Christianity progresses and Jesus ascends, he equips leaders in his church to continue his teaching, to continue to make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. And the apostle Paul says that now, as you are seeking to grow in your faith, learn from me as I have learned from Christ. And generationally, that passes down. We continue to learn from, from teachers and leaders and faithful Sunday school teachers and moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas who have followed Jesus ahead of us, who are modeling what it is to look like a Christian, to be a Christian. And we should be seeking to model our lives after the them as they model their lives after Jesus with the hope that we arrive at what Paul says about the church here in 1 Thessalonians. And you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord when, in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers. It, it's this beautiful line of we imitate Jesus so that others might imitate us in discipleship and we might teach others to be learners, that they might become the teachers for learners further down the line. We got, we got copies of a copy of a copy of a copy and we're all copies of Jesus. And the beauty of it is that the copy never degrades. Instead, we all become more like him as we mature and learn to follow after him. The goal of learning as a Christian, is not just knowing, but becoming. The goal of learning from Jesus is not just to know more facts, but to become more like Jesus. And so that's what it really means to consume him, is, is to take in all of his teachings and then become more like him. <laughs> there was a guy who was a comedian. He was a little overweight. He was Christian-ish and said... Uh, Fat, greasy food makes for a fat, greasy dude. You are what you eat when you consume Christ, when you learn from him, when you make him central to who you are, you will begin to look more like him. The learner, the learner is growing in knowledge, in character, in actions, and ultimately the learner is growing in Christ-likeness. How to be a Christian is to learn so that you might look more like Jesus as you mature in this life. If you are not learning and maturing, it's time for you to come back to the first step and say, am I a disciple? Am I a Christian? Am I really in the place that I think I am if I haven't moved in this process 
of looking like Jesus. Now, nobody expects you to walk on water this week. But we should look more and more like him every week that we live and consume him and walk with him. Where else where we go, will we go but to him? For he has the words of eternal life. And he is the, the Holy One, the Son of the living God. I thought a fitting way to finish our time together this morning was to, to share in the Lord's table in communion together. And, and why is that so? Well, because Jesus says to, to all of us who seek to be his disciples that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood. And on the same night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he said to his disciples, after breaking it and blessing it, he says, this is my body given for you. And every time you eat it, eat it in remembrance of what I've done. And he also, a little bit later, he took the cup and he said, this, this cup is the new, blood, new covenant established in my blood. And, and every time you drink this cup, you do it in remembrance of me. And so it's this beautiful symbol that reminds us that we are supposed to be consuming the body and the blood of Jesus first for the forgiveness of sin. And second, that we might be more like him. We consume his teaching. We consume his character. We, we consume his, his body, the church, and become part of it in ever-increasing measure so that we might be more like him. And so this morning as we partake of communion, I want to encourage you to think about, are you consuming Jesus? Is he the one that you are eating and drinking? Or are you seeking other things to complete you, to fill you up? Are you looking like others because you're consuming their wisdom instead of consuming Christ and his teachings and looking more like him. And so this, this morning, still this morning by six minutes, we're almost at noon. That's why you're so hungry. But let's consume Christ first. And then we can go about the rest of our day, Lord willing, looking more like him and growing as disciples who are learners. Let's pray first. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the gift of Christ Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came and sacrificed and were humble and lowly in order to live a perfect and sinless life and then die on the cross for our sins. Rising again on the third day, proving you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the Holy One, and promising that all who would believe on you and trust you as Lord and Savior would be saved from sin and brought into eternal life that begins today and lasts forever. Lord Jesus, may we hear your teaching this morning that we must eat your flesh and drink your blood to be of you and for you to be in us. Understanding that, that you call us to consume your teaching. You call us to consume your truths to make you central in our life and allow what you teach and who you are to begin to permeate us and become who we are as well. We thank you for this bread and this cup and how in it you remind us that you died for our sins and rose again. And we thank you for this bread and this cup and ask that in it we would be reminded of how central and important you are to our everyday life. 
and that we must continue to consume you and learn from you. For where else can we turn? Only you have the words of eternal life. Only you are the son of God, the chosen one. Please bless these elements. Knowing that they're just bread and juice, may they become more meaningful as we consume them. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus.